So welcome back to Restless. I'm Father Joseph and this is Joe. And here we are in uh, just a place at a time doing a thing. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> Aren't we always? this thing is uh, called Restless. And so thanks for tuning in to Restless where we uh, restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's mixed up and crazy world. And you know, something that God's been doing a lot in my spiritual life lately has been trying to get me to work on attachments or detachments really from attachments. And, and I mean, the world is filled with so many good things. You know, we have relationships, we have plans, we have the physical world and, you know, the pleasures of this world and all of which are good and all of which we're called to use, but to use properly. And I don't know, I find that, uh, that it's far too easy for me to get attached to things more, less, less like physical things. Like I'm not like big into like, you know, my clothes or anything, as you can see, I'm dressed like a slob a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do get attached to people and I do get attached to my plans and kind of how I see life unfolding. I don't know. Do you see attachments in your life in any of these areas? Yeah. Um, I think, first of all, I think it's um, you know, like fortuitous that we're talking about this at, at, at the talent of Advent, which really is a period where we're asked, I think, to reflect on like the extent to which we're attached to our plans. I mean, that is in some ways the great victory of Mary and Joseph is that they were able to detach from the plans they had for their lives, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Oof, talk about a radical detachment. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just, you know, when we were doing our extensive planning for the show, you know, like remember, remember 45 <laughs> seconds ago when we started to finish that. Um, Don't was, tell people our secrets. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was saying that um, praying about your detachments is a big part of the 30-day Ignatian spiritual exercises, which I completed uh, at the beginning of last summer. And going into it, I, was, I kind of thought, yeah, I mean, I kind of like creature comforts and I, you know, I mean, I probably am attached to something, but I, a lot of the time I was praying during retreat, I couldn't figure out what it was I was attached to. It's funny, I, I realized that like definitely I'm attached in a lot of ways to plans, to people. In a big way, I realized I was attached to my vocation. Mm. Like I, I had realized, I realized that I had um, become attached to the priesthood as such, meaning I attached my idea of being a priest and also attached to m what I thought that was going to look like. Yeah. And for a variety of reasons, um, a variety of things that were going on in my life and are continuing to go on in my life, um, we're kind of calling into question the ability of some of those things to come to pass. And I realized that I was kind of panicking because this image of what I thought the priesthood would be which I thought for sure I was going to have was kind of slipping away mm. and that um, I might have to accept the priesthood on different terms than I had expected on whatever terms God offers as opposed to terms I wanted. And so I, yeah, I agree with you. I think we often think of detachments as attachment to technology or to, you know, good food, but yeah, I mean, attachment to even good things, to friends, to one's vocation, to, you know, anything. Yeah. I mean, I always find detachment, attachments closely related to emotions. Right. In that, like, you know, it's not that I just enjoy being around people or, or enjoy this food or this this situation, but it's like if it's ever taken away, I feel pretty devastated. Like more so, like blown out of proportion, devastated. You know, I remember when I was in college, just out of college, a, a very good friend of mine um, who I went to college with and actually went to high school with, he died in a car crash. Oh man, it was very, it was very sad. Yeah, he like twenty two, twenty three years old. And I remember going to the funeral though, and his mom, who was a very, very holy woman, um, she, she, you know, we of course gave our, our condolences to her, and she said, "You know, I'm just so grateful for the time that God allowed me to have Justin." And you know, I don't know if that was a stock answer, you know, because everyone's you know wishing you well at that terrible time, but I always thought that was actually a really good definition of detachment. 
like, you know, gratitude for the the time that she had, the 23 years that she had with Justin, when in re- reality, I think most moms would be utterly devastated. Yeah, I no doubt she was too. Um, yeah, and I think both probably went simultaneously. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think detachment is the same thing as, I don't think detachment means you want to get rid of something. No, 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 you know, not at all. I think, you know, detachment ultimately, I think is a, you know, a, right, a, a right ordering of things around you, including relationships. So it's like, you know, this is, you know, Jesus says, you know, if it be his disciple, unless you hate your mother and father, he doesn't mean like actually like have feel hate towards them, right? He means like, you know, it's, it's great to love your parents, but not more than Jesus. Yeah. Right. So, you know, um, it's, it's great to love other things. It's great to even love the life you lead or your vocation or, you know, your friends, but like in proper proportion to the, you know, Jesus has to be, you know, that which you love and desire the most. Yeah. And you have to be willing to sacrifice other things for that. Right. Yeah. And, and it kind of detachment eliminates the fear of losing it. And that's something I'd be honest, I, I, I totally wrestle with all the time. Yeah. Is if you're like, well, what if it's all, you know, what if tomorrow I wake up and, you know, nobody ever invites me over again, you know, sure. or, you know, or I, yeah. you know, end up getting assigned to some parish in the inner city or like, you know, where I- Hard to imagine that that would happen to you. Uh, it did happen to me. Though. I know. Yeah, it I did. know. And, <laughs> I know. From you, yeah, I know. Yeah. And I'll be honest, one of the, one of the, that was one of the, one of the harder days in my life when I got the phone call at St. Mary's in Bethel. Yeah, I, mean, that you, I, was, I remember that day. You were like, you look shell-shocked. Yeah, I was totally shell-shocked. And in yeah. part because in my mind, I was like, well, you know, I just got ordained. I've been here for one year as a priest. You know, it was two years as a deacon prior, but I was like, oh, great. I got, you know, like three or four more years here. This, yeah. These are my plans of what I want to do. And then not only was I taken away from there, I was put in pretty much the the exact opposite position, you know, yeah. from a nice suburban parish in a beautiful woody, parish, woodsy set, setting. Nice it's definitely like, you know, a great <laughs> parish, great pastor. Yeah. You know, we got along great. And then put in this inner city parish where I didn't speak Spanish yeah. and it was, you know, yeah, dirty so. and noisy. And, and I remember that night I was running this talk because we had, I, I, I think we had somebody from the diocese coming and uh, talking about annulments. So a few people came, you know, just to talk about annulments and, and I remember like having to excuse myself and right out front of St. Mary's in Bethel is a big cross, big wooden cross. That's right there. As soon as you drive in, you see it. And now it actually is a crucifix, has a corpus on it, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was a cross at the time. And I just went out there and I'm like, God, I don't, I, I don't know if I can do this. Like it was so devastating. And that's when I realized, you know, I'm too attached to this and I shouldn't have been. Sure. But how does one grow in detachment? Without having it all taken away, yeah, right. Like, well, that's <laughs> like God, give me detachment, but don't take it away. One way, I think. I think acknowledging that you're attached is a good first step. Um, and again, you, you can be attached to good things. Right, it's not, it's not a sin that I was very good. It was great, you know. And you, the plans you had were, would have been good. And I had saw, saw so much fruit from it. Yeah, and frankly, a lot of good things that didn't happen because you were transferred out of St. Mary's in Bethel. Yeah. But a lot of good things did happen because you were transferred to a lesser St. Mary's elsewhere in the diocese. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like, likewise, you know, my image of what the priesthood was going to look like for me was nice, you know? Oh, sure. Saving souls and preaching and, you know. And I I meant like more, even more specific to me. Like I had this image, like I'm going to be able to like, you know, like I'll run around with the kids, I'll be able to play sports, you know, I'll be able to do this, that, and the other thing. And then all of a sudden I had to start having like these health problems. And I was like, well, maybe I can't do any, maybe I won't be able to do any of those things. Maybe I won't be able to be a priest at all. But even if I am, maybe it won't be like what I thought. Maybe I won't have energy like I had hoped or this, that, or the other. And the reality is that, at least in my specific case, right? And also I think in your specific case, right? Like God will give you the grace to be the priest he wants you to be, 
right? And that, there's some version of that applies to all the other kinds of attachment. I think it's like, you know, what if I lost all my friends today? I wouldn't, I would be lonely. It's like, yeah, you would be, except for God would provide a way to provide for you. Yeah. Right? And I think that, um, I don't know how you, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I guess one way you can grow in, in detachment in some ways is giving good things up, you know, in, in small ways. So like, for example, it's good to have friends. It's good to spend time with them. But maybe sometimes you just, you know what? I do want to go to that, but actually I, I can't tonight because I'm going to stay back and I'm going to pray or something like that. Or, yeah, um, that's true. Or money. Like it's it's not a bad thing to be successful and provide for your family, but maybe, you know, um, you're too attached to it and giving up, giving away enough that it hurts a little bit. Yeah, know? that's the key. It's got to hurt a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And Great, something, you next, no. Something, <laughs> <laughs> no, something you said, I think uh, it hit me because I've often thought to myself, like, you know, if I was in a situation that the martyrs were in where, you know, deny your faith or we're going to kill you, I, I think to myself right now, wow, would I would I have the courage to do that? Well, the reality is right now I'm not being given the grace to do that because right. it's not in front of me. Right. But if I wasn't, if it was in front of me, I trust that God will give me the grace to do it. Right. And so you're right that like you know if God's asking you to take on this new ministry or to give up something that's right. important to you, He will give you the grace to do it. Right. If you could be a martyr right now, that would mean that you didn't need God's grace to do it. Right. That would right. do it on my own. Oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. That's yeah. very true. Also, God's pretty good at giving you opportunities to detach, I found. Yeah. So, you yeah. Know. And I'll be honest, I mean, looking back, you know, having moved out of St. Mary's in Bethel, and it was it was a really difficult two years in yeah. Stanford, really difficult. And, uh, you know, priests often say, oh, I've enjoyed every every assignment I've had. And I was like, well, there's one that was a little tougher than the most. One. But now looking back, uh, you know, eight years past that, I see why it happened. Mm-hmm. Like it, there were so many things that needed to happen, not only in my life, but people I needed to meet yeah. and, uh, and like opportunities that opened doors down there. Like I would not currently be chaplain of Cardinal Kung if right. I had not been assigned there to Stanford. Yeah. Um, and as tough as it was, it's now bearing incredible fruit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope with, with all detachments that when you, when you open your hands, your hands are open so God can fill them with better things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those, those who sow in tears will reap, will, uh, will reap. What is it when those are sowing tears will sin when they reap is one of the, this occurs a lot, a couple of times in the scriptures, right? This idea. Yeah. Like sowing in tears and reaping in joy. Or reaping in joy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, how much sh- like should, I guess like, what is it, what does attachment look like and how do you know if you have too much? Cause I mean, I, th- I feel like, you know, especially if you're a parent and you have kids, you, you, you're attached to them. You should be attached to them. Right. Is, is it ever possible to be too attached? I mean, oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I think like maybe a good baseline is anything that you are so attached to that you would commit a sin to give it up or rather, rather than give it up rather, or to avoid giving it up would be a good place to start. Mm. So, you know, it's great to love your kids, but would you commit a sin for them? I mean, I hope not. Right. Because that's not authentic Christianity. Yeah. But as tough as that sounds, you know, um, which, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie silence or read the book. I have watched the movie. Did you? Yeah. I mean, cause that, cause that's kind of that issue of like, okay, the life and the life of the people you love, right? That's it's a movie set in Japan. I think it's fiction, right? Is it fiction? Um, I'm not sure. Is it? It's a movie based on a book. Yeah, I don't know. If it's... I read the book. I didn't see the movie. Okay, the movie's but... not good. It's not good. Well, it's it's beautifully made. It's morally problematic. I would argue. Well, that's that's the challenge. Is that the issue is there's you know a priest who's uh, arrested for being Catholic in Japan in the 1500 late 1500s, and uh, other Japanese are being put to death for his faith. And the question is, could he trample on a picture of Jesus in order to save their lives? And I won't give away the ending, but it brings up that 
more quantity, you know, so, so yeah. life is a good thing. Your friends are a good thing. And, right. and seeing your friends flourish is a good thing, you know, so, but, but is it, you know, is it a sin in that case to trample on that, that image of Jesus to save your friend's life? I mean, yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree yeah, too. Is. Yeah. And that's the kind of detachment, like, yeah, if, you know, I don't know. That's hard to have though. Yeah. No, for, I mean, of course it is. I mean, that's an extreme example, an extreme ex- like level of detachment, right? Um, yeah. So I mean, I think just, I think the first step has to be just praying about it, just try, trying to, asking God to really shine a light on what, what areas of my life am I attached to? Um, you know, and that, I mean, you know, that what that means is that it's a, probably a good thing that you're just, you know, overly fond of and that's okay. You just have to kind of be aware of it and scale back a little bit and then keep an eye on it, I think. Yeah. Um, you know. I think one thing that's helpful too for, for detachment is to realize that we're pilgrims here. You know, and if you're on a pilgrimage, you're only taking the bare minimum with you on your back. Sure. You know, a few a couple changes of clothes and whatever, you're not making a permanent home. And that's the reality of this world is it's very, very temporary. Yeah. Everything's temporary. Everything will get taken away from us at one point at our death. Sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, again, I just I just go back to like the image of of Mary and Joseph in Advent. Right? I mean, Mary's response to God is not, um, you know, exactly what you've described. I will now do, or it's not um, yet. Having now heard everything, your all your plans for me, I will do them. It's you know, be it done unto me according to your will. Mm. Without knowing what that will is, that's like the important thing. And so, yeah, she. Um, I don't know if she could have foreseen the cross at the moment that she gave her fiat. Yeah, I mean, certainly there are elements of, of what was to come, which would have, which would have been a miss, you know, been a surprise to her. Um, I, I, I found this. You find this a lot sometimes in young adult communities, um, like a real attachment to their future as they think it should be, or their present as they think it should be. Attachment, you know, I should be dating right now. I should be married right now. I should have this job. I should have that job. And it's like you need to just live in where you are. You know, I mean, it's okay to, to have desires. It's okay to have ambitions. Um, see for reference our episode on ambitions. Um, <laughs> um, but it's important to just like trust that God is guiding all of this. And I mean, you know, I wanted to enter seminary many years before I did. Mm. And, you know, had I entered seminary when I wanted to originally, the underlying your minds when I wanted to recently, you know, um, I would be, I think I'd be a deacon now. Um, That's I'd, true, I'd 25. Close, yeah, you, you could yeah, be. I'd be very close to being ordained a priest. But the problem is that it's when I want to enter seminary. It's not when I don't think when God wanted me to. And I've had so many experiences in the intervening years. Um, just I've, I've, I've learned things from, exper- from having weird experiences, uh, from developing relationships with people. Um, not not just that, but I'm, I think that my classmates that I'm seeing ordination class with now are just really tremendous people. Um, Good. And so, you know, so again, like, you know, I wanted, I, I had my plan, what I wanted to do. But I, I, I think that, you know, God has... You know, God, God knows, right? God knows what's what's best, and you know, maybe that's another way that would be helpful to grow in, in uh, detachment. Is try to th- like think through your life, like perfectly think through your life, and try to identify those 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 decisions which you help, you know, or these th- those things in your life which you wish which you wanted to come out differently, and which in, re- in retrospect you're actually glad that they came out, came out the way they did. I mean, you being assigned to the St. Mary's in Stanford, you know, transferred out of St. Mary's in Bethel, yeah. or you being forced to leave Archdiocese of Baltimore, right? I mean, imagine what your life would be like if you hadn't done that. Right. Definitely. Um, imagine yeah. how, what, like my life, so many people's lives would be, you know what I mean? So I think sometimes it's good to just reflect on the ways in which God has taken care of us, even when we were kicking and screaming, and then maybe helps us be more sober about it in the moment, you know? That's true. That's true. But I think one of the hardest things that for, especially for a lot of young adults to discern is what if you feel God calling you in one direction and all the doors keep closing? You know, for example, all the young adults that, you know, feel God calling them to marriage 
and they, they really genuinely feel it in, in prayer. Yeah. And, and it seems like, you know, they're 35 now and they haven't met the right guy, you know, yeah. or, or they feel this certain line of work is for them and they just can't seem to get a job in that industry. Yeah. Or, like, at what point do you just say, well, I give up trying or? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious to hear what you think, because I, I just think you can't speak into, um, you can't speak universally about very individualized situations. Yeah, that's true. That's very, certainly true. It's like maybe it's maybe you are called to be a husband, but the first problem is that you're a jerk and you need to find a way to be a better person before you're going to get married. <laughs> no, honestly, though, you know I mean, it's like I feel called to marriage, but no one wants to date me. It's like okay, well, those two thoughts aren't necessarily a contradiction. Maybe you need to be better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe you actually aren't called. You know, maybe you're maybe you're wrong about what your prayer is telling you. I mean, that's there's no you know what I mean. So, yeah. Uh, what do you, how do you counsel people in these situations? Well, one thing that helped me to understand is you know some some men, for example, are called to seminary but not to priesthood. Yeah. Some people are called to the dating life, perhaps, but not. To marriage, sure, and that can you know. So it's kind of it's kind of an interesting unfolding. I, I for me, I've always said it's and maybe this is right or wrong. I don't know, but I've always said it's okay to give God an ultimatum when talking about your plans. Like, like, say for example, you know, like I've been trying to I don't know break into the music industry or something, and you know, okay, okay I'm gonna Lord, I'm gonna try for one more year, and then it'll be clear that it's not your will if, if at the end of the year I haven't made any progress. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think to some extent that's really giving yourself an ultimatum and not God, but yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's otherwise like, what, do you want to be 75 and still right. pursuing your dream? Because it's hard to know God's will sometimes. And the problem is that it's your dream. It get, like maybe your dream is what God wants too, or maybe it's some version of your dream is what God wants too. Yeah. But if you're only just, you know, single-mindedly focus on fulfillment of your dream, right? That's not that's not the Christian life. I mean, the Christian life is a willingness to sacrifice whatever your your dream is for you know God's vision for your for your life. Yeah, but only if, if only God's vision would be clearer. Yeah, no, I agree you know? with that. That's the hard thing. Father Brett Brandon, who was the vice rector of the seminary when I was there down in Mount St. Mary's, would always have this great prayer. He said, "Gentlemen, pray every day. Lord, help me to want what you want." Yeah, because it's really a reorienting of desires, saying like you know I have my plans, but I don't know if they're your plans, Lord. So help me to want what you want. Yeah change my desires if they're not yours. Yes. Although at the same time, that's, that's obviously, that's, that's obviously a great point. But at the same time, you know, one of the points that was really hammered into us during the 30 day retreat was St. Ignatius, Ignatius of Loyola would say, um, there is no prayer without desire. Right. So, so you would pray with your desires because they're not coming from nothing. So yeah. It might be that God is speaking to you. What am I called to? It's like, well, let's think about that for a second. You fantasize about saying the mass, you love altar serving, You've dated a little bit, but never been really fulfilled in it. Gee, what is God calling you to? It's like, you, the, pay attention to your desires. Or maybe it's like, yeah, you know, I, I think priesthood's really cool. You know, I think it's a beautiful vocation. I would love to be able to say mass, but I just can't get over this feeling that I that I meant to be a biological father. Okay, well then like pay attention to your desires. And so yeah. you know, obviously we should, I think we should, I think you're right. We should pray for our desires to be perfected, but that doesn't mean that they have to be obliterated. You no, know, of course I, not. You know I mean, I, not. I think God it's, really does speak to us through our desires, through our reactions to things that happen. It's like, oh, geez, yeah. I just feel myself tensing up when that just happened. Maybe there's something else to pray about there. You know what I mean? I think that's that's how God speaks to us often, you know? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right that uh, it's it's not an elimination of desire. It's yeah. a reorientation of yeah. desire according to his will, which is sometimes very hard to discern. But he often does speak to us through the desires on our hearts, you know? And and that I think is not only true in talks about talking about like detachment from our plans, but even like attachment versus detachment from friends and, and people in your life. That like I think there's a you know it, it's you're you're called to spend time with people that fulfill you. Mm-hmm. That that I think is a good thing, and so I do pay attention to the people that do fulfill you because you know a lot of people you deal with on a daily basis drain you sure. of a lot of resources and energy. Yeah. yeah. 
But the thing is to, when you love someone, you know, and we were talking about, we were talking earlier on that episode about uh, friendship, mm-hmm. you know, when you love someone, it's, it's not a clinging love. It's not a love ultimately about self-satisfaction, but recognizing the other as an individual that you have no right to possess. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that, um, one of the consequences of true detachment is like a true freedom. You know, like if you think like if you're, if you're attached to a friend or like a version of friendship with one person, um, you're not entering into that relationship freely because you're being like constrained and governed by these desires that you have that are not necessarily going to core with reality. And so, you know, you end up making the perfect enemy of the good and, you know, missing mm-hmm. out on good opportunities and good things and maybe even other good friendships because you're so not, you know, monomaniacally focused on this one thing that I, I feel like I have to have. I have to have not just a friendship with this person, they have to be my best friend. Like I have to be their best friend. We have yeah. to do these things together. It's like- Have to get constant affirmation. Right, and right. And like, you know, and you know, it's not enough that we see each other once a month. I need to see him every week. He needs to text me back when I text him. Like, it's like, okay, but if you can detach from that a little bit, you realize that then you can actually free to like receive the love this person's giving you yeah. and then actually give them your own love, right? Like you're, this this freedom is only possible if you don't feel like you need this thing, right? Because you're, so, you're not free if you're interacting with something that you feel like you absolutely need to have no matter what, then you're not going to act right, free. Right, it's not freedom. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. That's that's addiction or codependency or something like that. But I find that it's it's hard harder to do that when you don't sense God's presence, because I think, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas said that human beings cannot live without joy or delight. I think he used the word delight. And, and that's, and he said later on that if, you know, if a man doesn't find delight in spiritual things, he'll find delight in carnal things, mm. not bad things, just earthly things. And, and, you know, that's the tough part is when you turn to prayer because you're like, Lord, you are my one and only, and you feel so empty. And so then you turn to like, well, I need something to fill me. And you turn to people or possessions or plans or, you know, this or that. When in reality, I think we have to sit with the emptiness because in faith, we say, Lord, I know that you are my one and only. I know that you're the only one that I truly love. And even though I don't feel it right now, you're still the only one I love. Yeah, that's right. And I find myself a lot being like, like, God, I know that I should feel this way. I want to feel this way. Or, but I but I don't feel this way. Like yeah. I want to want to feel this way, yeah. right? And so like I have much however tiny way you need to be. So it's like okay, I want to want to do your will. Yeah. In this moment, I really don't want to do your will. But like it's okay to, to like admit that God knows it, so don't right. hide, hide it. But like <laughs> right, look, Lord, being, I'm struggling right now. So, like, to, so to acknowledge want to your that will. reality. It's God like just like you know, please help me to want to want to serve you. Help me to want to serve you. To right? want to want to want yeah. to want. As far back as you need to, as far back as, you need to go. as many wants as you yeah, need. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, God, I want my desires to be perfected in you. I want, you know, I want to, um, you know, I want to know what you want for my life and I want to want what you want for my life, but I'm not there right now. Right. Like, that's okay as long as it's you're acknowledging it as a reality and then you're asking for God's grace to move you in the right direction. And, and then the flip side, the connection side of that is to acknowledge the, the emotional attachments to things, people, and, and, and you know, plans. Because that's a lot of times that I go to pray and I, you know, can't stop thinking about the exciting thing I'm doing with my friends that weekend, or, you know, can't stop thinking about the, the, you know, the excitement of, you know, recording a new album, which I'm doing right now. And, and, and I'm like, wait a second, I should be praying. Hold on. (laughs) But it's, but it's so consuming the mind. It's so consuming the will and the emotions Mm -hmm. that you just have to bring that to God and say, God, I I want you to be my one and only. I'm really struggling with that right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. On the subject of, um, 
detaching from good things. Like one good thing you could become attached to if you got it all the time was actually hearing God's voice directly answering your prayers, mm. right? Which is why that's not what he does. Right? Yeah. So you have to be willing to say like, you know what? I'm not entitled to God's answer right now. Yeah. And that's not, that can't be a crutch. Like he, he you know, if God's pulling back from me a little bit, it's because and maybe in part, it's because he wants you to try to be detached from this too. Like not detached from the relationship with God. That's obviously foundational, but detached from the like, like from the validation of what prayer should be or what God's will should be, what God's response should be. Right. So yeah. Like that, cause that attachment can be bad too. You know what I mean? I was watching a documentary yesterday. Um, when I, when I do my workouts, I watch YouTube documentaries about different things and learn so much through them. And one of them was about um, this road through Siberia. That's like considered one of the most dangerous roads in the world where it's like, you know, 700, 1200 kilometers and it's unpaved and muddy and people die on it all the time. And at a certain point at a peak of a mountain, uh, there's an altar to a pagan deity because I guess that whole region is still very pagan, very uh, spirit, spiritism, like they, they worship like yeah, their ancestors. Nat- naturalist religion. Naturalism, yeah. yeah. And um, so people would leave offerings there. And that's, I think... Um, you know, such a such a far cry from our relationship with God that it's in in their faith. It's I will leave an offering if you protect my journey. Right. You know, it's it's like a it's a give and take. And in our relationship with God, sometimes we are tempted to that. God, I'll pray if you make it easy, if it feels good, if it you know, etc. But when He takes that away, that's when it becomes a real relationship, which is not an exchange, but a real you know walking with Christ, even in the dark moments and. Yeah, it really struck me that you know, yeah, mm-hmm. th- that's one of the things we can be attached to is the good feelings and prayer. Yeah. Detach from the vibes, man. <laughs> Detach from the vibes. <laughs> that seems to be our th- word yeah. of the day. The vibes. Vibes, the vibes man. are important. The vibes. Foundation of the Christian life. The vibes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's detachment is hard, but it's also freeing. Yeah, because it means being reattached to that which is the the source and summit. And it's not. I don't think it's not just for priests. I think it's for lay people too, to be have a healthy right attachment. Right. Whereby, if God asks you to give up anything, you can yeah. do it. I was reading a story about. Uh, so, of course, here in Connecticut, you know, we're very right here, about seven miles from Sandy Hook, and one of the women, Jennifer Hubbard from Sandy Hook, lost one of her daughters there, and she was a very devout Catholic, and she was saying that on that day she went to the firehouse, you know, hoping to see her daughter, and she kept praying over and over again, Lord, bring her home, bring her home, bring her home, and she realized later on when the daughter didn't come home that. God had actually answered the prayer. He did yeah. bring her home. You know, I thought that was really profound, yeah, sombering, but but like that was the kind of uh, detachment, you know, so painful, but to say like, it's it's not my child. Yeah. It's the Lord's That's child. Very beautiful. You know? I'm thinking of um, one of your songs, I think it's titled Between Two Worlds, right? Um, love, but not to cling. Yeah. Use, but um, not to own. Uh, well, the specific vibe, I'm uh, five. Five, you're sorry. Five today. Specific lyrics, instead of lyrics, I'm, I'm thinking of our... Um, like I long to something or other, but I love this dust and what? Are oh, you? I long for heaven, but I love this dust and sand. Yeah, and that's like I think that's the tension the Christian lives in. I've actually I, th- I pray about this with some degree of frequency. It's like, yeah, I do desire heaven, but, but this is it's a pretty sweet gig down here. <laughs> you know what I mean, and it's like there's a lot there's a lot left to do. I, I think and I hope for my life, and um, I don't think it's wrong to desire that. You know, to desire to continue living, to desire to have a priestly ministry one day. For in my case, you know, right. Um, but I think also again it has. You know, but this isn't our home. And know? and all of the good things should remind us of that. You know, I had, yeah. I had some uh, some friends who were at Franciscan. You know, it, it attracts very devout Catholics, and some some were kind of more um, sentimentally sentimentally devout. And this one guy, I remember we were on a hike one day, and he's like, you know, 
The sky reminds me of Our Lady because it's blue and it covers the whole world, but it allows the sun to shine through. And at the time I was like, that is so cheesy. But now I'm like, actually, that was really deep because he's using the created order to bring him to a supernatural reality. And that's what we should always do as Christians. You know, when we're having a banquet, that should be a reminder of the eternal banquet feast of heaven. When we're spending time with friends, that reminds us that the saints await us. Yeah. So this whole world is imbued with a sense of the supernatural if we have eyes to see and the heart that's detached enough to, to cling to that which uh, will never end. That's why I love some of the prayers of Advent. Um, there's one prayer after communion that we pray, especially during the first two weeks of Advent. It says, even now as we walk amidst passing things, you teach us by them to love the things of heaven and to hold yeah. fast to what eternally endures. Beautiful. It's one of my most favorite prayers the whole year because we do walk amidst passing things. They're good, they're passing. Right. And, uh, and something greater is coming. And that's what our hearts should be... Uh, should be hanging on. In fact, here's a shameless plug because <laughs> with this this new album, I have a song called. Because uh, I don't know if you heard that he's recording a new album. Yeah, if I haven't said it, sure you know if he, I haven't said it a thousand times, so. which he has old albums, but this is a new album. Yeah, drop so. drops in uh, probably July 2024. <laughs> Check it out on Spotify. Yeah, no big deal, but just but uh, no, big <laughs> no big deal. Just uh, have a listen, <laughs> <laughs> or just buy it. Or just, no, you yeah. don't you have to just, buy it. Nobody, nobody buys albums anymore. It's all streaming, right? And every time, every time someone streams, they get 0.0001 cent. Nice. Yeah. You need a lot of streams to make any money. Yeah. That's okay. That's not about Put the money. It's about the Lord. But uh, <laughs> one of the songs is called Anchor Me. Anchor Me on the Other Side. You know, that as I, as I walk here, keep my, keep my heart anchored so that it doesn't move from heaven, from what I really long for. Because nice. this world is so, so changeable. All right. I think we covered it. That's it. We're awesome. done. Let's detach from this episode. Yeah, let's detach from this episode. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thanks for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM. Tune in next time. God bless. God bless.